Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And we've been in Nahum, and uh, talking about uh, what's been going on uh, in the world as well. And uh, I just sent off a message this morning to the uh, network of ministers uh, that we have uh, put together, or you have put together, the people out there who have actually done what Christ commanded, which was sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and organize yourself in a free society that cares as much about one another as you care about yourself, which is what Christ came to tell us to do. It's part of that repenting. What repenting is, is changing your mind. And the mindset of the modern Christian is that you go to church on Sunday or Sabbath, and then you do whatever you dang well please the rest of the week. <laughs> and that's not, what, that's not what Christ came preaching. As a matter of fact, today the modern Christian does absolutely the opposite of what Christ said to do, what the apostles said to do, what the apostles warned us against, they do readily. They eat of the table of men who exercise authority one over the other. And they, by doing so, through covetous practices, take a bite out of one another and have been doing so for almost a hundred years until they have become perfect savages or such slothful individuals that they can't do anything about the rise of tyranny all about them. Even though historian after historian, from Polybius to Plutarch to uh, Juvenal to uh, from you know philosophers and poets, uh, have been warning us, that if we become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for our livelihood on the property of others, that we will degenerate as a society until we become what at least translates as perfect savages. And perfect savages are savages who just care about themselves. And they don't care about others. Or at least they don't care about others enough to do anything about it when others are being persecuted, um, you know, punished or uh, abused by the bullies of the world, which have now seized power throughout the world <laughs> to a point where they are uh, devastating uh, the human population. And uh, I just heard uh, early this morning, around 5 o'clock or so, uh, uh, that uh, the uh, lawsuit that uh, state troopers in Oregon and uh, also uh, emergency workers in Oregon uh, was taking against the governor's mandate for the jab, the vaccination, the so-called vaccination, uh, has been denied by the local courts. Now, they can appeal that, I assume, but the day, the date is running out that they will all supposedly employees of the Department of Motor Vehicles, uh, the prison systems, the schools, will all have to get the jab or lose their job. 
I mean, in the news just before I began this program uh, today, they were talking about the job market is going up, you know, or improving. You know, employment numbers are improving. But now we know that uh, thousands, tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people all across the country are going to lose their job because they refuse to get the jab. And why would they refuse to get the jab. I mean, it's so obvious, isn't it, that the, the jab will make you immune, except for the fact the science says, no, it won't. Uh, it doesn't make you immune. You might get less symptoms if you get the jab at first. You might get less symptoms, less likely to be hospitalized. But the data is coming in on a regular basis, and since there was no long-term animal trials, uh, you are the animal and you are the trial subjects. But the evidence is coming in in some places. 80% of the hospitalizations are people that have been fully vaccinated. And so what is that? Well, it's exactly what was predicted by scientists. And we, we're we not going to go into all this on this show. Uh, I Like I said, I just sent a message off to the ministers groups telling them part of the problem that are coming up being reviewed by scientists, being studied by scientists, being reported by scientists and doctors in the field uh, concerning this uh, injection or these injections. And the media is shutting it down. I tried to share one of these articles filled with science, filled with quotes from scientists and studies. And Facebook immediately, when I just... I hadn't even sent it yet. <laughs> I just put in uh, the URL to the studies and it was immediately censored. Uh, and uh, th- they said that you know it was false information contained in this article. I've read the article in great detail and I cannot find the false information. And I've also read countless accounts of uh, fact checkers and I find fact checkers void of logic. Void of actual facts. Uh, in circular logic, they quote each other as sources, but not the actual science. And occasionally they will quote a science paper, and then I actually go and read the science paper, and the science paper did not say what the fact checker says it says. It's, you know, they don't have, you know, is it incompetence? Is it intentional? Uh, is it a spirit flowing through large numbers of people in the population that is keeping them from seeing the truth? Well, it's all of the above. Uh, money is behind this. Ambition is behind this. You know, desire for your job or prestige. But what is the ultimate goal? What is the ultimate spirit behind this? It is no different than the spirit behind the destruction of Israel and Jerusalem in the time of Nahum or the time of all the prophets. People are starting to look at what's going on in the world today and saying we are at war. Uh, And uh, that's true. But we have been at war with the forces of evil since the garden. And their tactic 
is deception. To get us to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil rather than the tree of life. And of course those trees are metaphors. The reference to those trees is a metaphor and the story is an allegory trying to express to you what is really going on in the world today and has been going on in the world of your parents and of your grandparents. But you seem to be today in a very critical time for humanity. Never before in the history of humanity has there been an attempt to vaccinate or inject the entire world population with a chemical product that has been so untested, it is shocking. And, you know, now I, I heard uh, that the people at Pfizer and even at Moderna and certain critical employees of the government and probably some military divisions that have been organized over the last 10, 20 years, separating certain types of psychologically prepared soldiers into this battalion and these companies and others into other companies that some of these military groups will be exempt from the vaccinations. I can't verify that. These are rumors. So to try to verify these things, we created a network. But of course, we created the network because Christ commanded that the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. He commanded, he did not command the people. He commanded his disciples to make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Not organizing the people from the top down, but in the tradition of Christianity, in the tradition of the, the original Christianity, early Christianity, in the tradition of early Israel, in the tradition of Abraham, the people were to organize themselves in a network of charity to care for one another, to practice that thing we call love, so that they would create the bonds and the bands of a free society through love, not through making covenants, contracts, and constitutions, not through force and fear and oaths of fealty, which is the way the modern Christians have created their bands of their society for the last 100 years. But Christ said to do this by love, by loving one another, quoting Moses, who said the same thing with the statutes of Moses, which were simply an explanation of the Ten Commandments. Christ summed up the Ten Commandments into two commandments, which was to love God who is a creator of life, a giver of choice, a lover of humanity. So you had to love that kind of God with that kind of character. You would also love one another. You have not been doing that for a hundred years in America. You've been doing it less and less for the last hundred years in America. You've been doing it by creating systems of covetous practices like the Corbin of the Pharisees created by the Pharisees in Herod 
which was a system of social welfare, depended upon forced contributions, like Social Security, like welfare, like Medicare, like Medicaid, like public education, like government-supported police and fire departments to taxation, rather than voluntary contributions. If you really knew the history of America, which you have not studied in your schools for almost a generation or two or three, you would know that most of the public schools were started with free will contributions, maintained by free will contributions, and and sometimes tuitions, if you could afford tuition. All the major universities in America in the early days, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, all of these universities allowed people who could not afford an education but could maintain the grades, the scholastic aptitude, they allowed them to go to school at no expense or very little expense at reduced uh, figures. They were able to do this by the free will contributions of alumni. It was part of their tradition to do that. So you didn't have to take student loans out in order to get an education in America because of the free will offerings of the people. That's not what goes on in Harvard, Princeton, and Yale today. It's not what goes on in any of your colleges today. It's not what goes on in your society today because you have all abandoned the ways of Christ. You go to church... You sing your songs, but you have abandoned the ways of Christ in exchange for covetous practices. That, and in exchange for the wages of unrighteousness. That's what the Bible calls them in the New Testament. Rewards of unrighteousness, it's also translated. Which is those benefits you get from men who exercise authority one over the other but call themselves benefactors. It's where you get your modern public education. It's where you get your modern welfare. It's where you get your Social Security. It's where you get your Medicare, Medicaid, and all these benefits supposedly coming from the governments, the rulers, of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other. Jesus referred to these people as Gentiles using a particular word in the Greek language that we see in the text that means other nations. Because those who followed Christ were a nation. They weren't just a church. The church is the called out. But all the people who followed the ways of Christ were a nation. They were the kingdom of God on earth. It wasn't a kingdom where the government was from top down but from bottom up. Well, bottom up requires that the individuals organize themselves in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. It is not the job of the church to organize you but to require that you organize yourselves in a free society. And a free society needs to be supported. 
on a local basis. It's a trickle-up government, not a trickle-down government. You know, that's I heard Biden giving a speech uh, or, or reading a speech or whatever he was doing uh, recently, and he was saying that he didn't agree with the trickle-down system. Uh, but then most of what he said after that didn't make any sense at all. That it's not going to cost anything because we're going to pay for all these things, all these billions and trillions of dollars that they're borrowing to give you subsidy checks, which is, you know, it's 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 the major addiction that is killing the world today. The addiction of benefits at the expense of your neighbor. The blood in those sacrifices is the blood that we are not to eat of. Things strangled. Things with the blood, meat with blood still in it. That's the not voluntary offerings of charity. The kingdom of God operates according to the perfect law of liberty. If you're not operating according to the perfect law of liberty, if you're getting benefits at the expense of your neighbor, don't tell me you paid into it. Go read our article on Social Security. I added to the beginning of that just this week. But anyway, so, like I said, in the news, we see all these people being forced to get this vaccination. We've got an article up, numerous scientists. I just added to that. I informed the ministers in the network already before I added to the page some of the information, some of the information that has come to me. Uh, through people I know who work in government and through other people in the network. that uh, And I only put in certain stuff that I could verify and that I have followed already previously, knew of already previously, so I have multiple sources. And I only put a little summary in. I uh, sat down with others early this morning and showed them and late last night and showed them, you know, some of the uh, uh, data that I did not share on that page uh, because we're still getting it verified. But it looks like evil is really winning. But it's winning because we are not doing what Christ said. We are not following the way of Christ. And so if you want to know what I shared with the, the local ministers, you have to go join the network. And uh, once you get on the network, you can become a part of the living network by joining with a congregation. In other words, sitting down in those tens, hundreds, and thousands. And, uh, and then those ministers will share with you what I shared with them. And uh, if you can go to Preparing You, you can see a glimpse of what I shared with them by looking up the numerous scientists at preparingyou.com. But more important, join the Living Network. But more important, start doing what Christ said because then the Holy Spirit may visit you and show you what you need to know. Because just as there is a spirit of evil, there is a spirit of righteousness. And in order for that spirit of righteousness to come into you, you must become a doer of the word. This is why Christ emphasized so much that you had to become a doer of the word. Not because you will earn salvation, but in becoming a doer of the word, you open up your heart. The sacrifice required in becoming a doer of the word 
by humbly sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and starting to care about the other nine in your group and the other 90 in the, the hundreds group and the other 999 in the other groups. Because this is what Christ, why he gives the whole story of the sheep. Caring about this one in a hundred as much as you care about yourself. Until you start doing that, you will not open up your heart to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because you will not hear the cries of others, God will not hear your cry. He says this over and over again in his own prophecies. I will not hear you in that day. So you have to become a doer of that word. Start hearing the cries of others. And how do you do that if you don't sit down in a network? One of the amazing things when I look at the uh, the chemicals that they're injecting in people under a microscope is that you see them making a network of connections under the microscope. And this network of connections seems to have almost a mind of its own in the way it's connecting, but that's that's a chemical process. It may be spirit-led, I don't know. You don't see the spirit under a microscope. <laughs> but... Uh, there, the reality is, is that that eventually will cause problems like clotting and, and other health issues. It may take a while. It may take a year. It may take two years. I don't know. You know, the scientists are saying that it will only take two years. And uh, certainly it is having an effect. We see that in the VAERS reports, which we connect on that page. You can go look at the VAERS reports. And we explain the VAERS reports and we have studies from Harvard as to the fact that the VAERS reports are only a small percentage of the actual events. Even though by law, if there's any evidence that somebody has died recently after a vaccination, you have to fill out a VAERS report. It's about 30 pages. You have to have intimate uh, information about the patient in order to fill out all the blanks. Because So you have to be a medical personnel with that information. And you're required to fill that out. But it takes, like I say, about a half an hour to fill out one of those. And so they figure that only maybe 1% of the actual possible deaths from the vaccination are being reported. And, that, and we also are getting testimony from people, nurses, that are saying that they... They discourage filling out the reports even though the law requires it. And we see doctors in denial that, oh, no, it couldn't be the vaccination. It must be something else. But that's why you're supposed to fill out the report. And then that's why people like the CDC and the FDA should be coming in. And, you know, if there's 15,000, 16,000 deaths, there should be 16,000 autopsies to find out what was the cause of death. This is why you have this reporting. This is why statutory requirements of reporting have existed for years and years. But they're not doing it. So, we're going to report to you what the solution is. Which Nahum talks about the solution. The prophets talk about the solution. Christ talked about the solution. We've been talking about the solution here. But, you have to be willing to see it. And if you want your eyes open, you must open your eyes and your ears to the cries of others. We'll be right back. 
Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, like I said, we're in Nahum, and uh, we should now start Nahum 2. And uh, we have Nahum 1 uh, kind of under our belt. But uh, after I do the show, I'm, I'm having revelations kind of during the process of the show. And then the way I do a lot of the writing is that I go and sleep on it. And when I wake up in the morning... I had this nagging feeling about, oh, I need to go look at this, I need to go do that, and or I have revelations about, oh my gosh, I did this wrong, and I have to go back and fix it, or maybe I left something out, and I go and put it in. And so I went back, and I've done a summary of Nahum chapter 1, and I put it down there, and actually I was just looking at it during the break, and I was seeing, oh, I need to rewrite some of this. Because some of the times when I'm writing this, I'm looking through a glass dimly and uh, and I have a tendency to leave out certain words or I, I go back and I fix the end of the sentence but not the first part and I need to go back <laughs> and reread it. But time is of the essence. I don't have all the time that I wish I had uh, to do this. Uh, the amount of hours that I put into all this is, is, would just shock most people. And then I have to go out and make a living because most of the people aren't sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. They're still playing church off, uh, you know, pretending that, oh, yeah, but we love Jesus, you know. And uh, we're not going to do what he said, but we really love him. <laughs> but he said, of course, if you really love me, you'd keep my commandments. And one of those commandments is sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And, of course, all of the t- Ten Commandments are summed up in those two that we just mentioned in the first part of this show, which is his brief summary, uh, just the same as the statutes of Moses, are simply a summary of the Ten Commandments. They're not really statutes. They were kept in a, a sleeve outside of the Ark of the Covenant because they were his attempt to describe to you with your finite minds and his finite mind, through a finite language, what is an infinite law that was written on stone by the hand of God. Okay, so what, it, what is the Ten Commandments actually telling you? That those laws that were represented by the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments are written into the nature of creation. You can't get away from it unless you can... Find some other creation outside of the realm of creations that God has created, which is a multi-dimensional universe in which heaven and hell and where you sit today exist and come to meet. And uh, so anyway, we'll go into that at another time. But the point is, is that that all this, those Ten Commandments, requires that you not covet your neighbor's goods. That you don't make covenants, contracts, or constitution with men whereby they get your power of choice and you no longer have that power of choice. And of course, the network, the choice still remains with you. Your salvation is still dependent upon you and your relationship with God. It is simply an environment that is conducive of liberty and freedom. But if you don't take back your responsibilities of loving your neighbor, then you will not gain the benefit of the perfect law of liberty. It requires that you become a doer of that word 
of God, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. So anyway, that the summary of chapter 1 of Nahum is that the core of the power of tyrants, like Cain, like Nimrod, like Babylon, like Assyria, like Caesar, like Pharaoh, like FDR, which I can add those to that summary <laughs> before anybody reads it, is rooted in the power of contract. Which is why in the Ten Commandments it says that you're to make no covenants with them or with their gods. And that we, we explain that their gods, the gods many that Paul talks about, are the supreme courts of each nation. Are the courts of each nation. Caesar was called a god. He was actually called the originator of gods. Apotheos. That's that was what how they would say that in the Greek, the originator of gods. Why would they call Caesar the originator of gods? Because the gods of Rome were just a duplicate of the gods of Greece. He didn't make them up. He didn't originate those guys. They already existed in writing. Everybody knew that. The poets knew it. The historians knew it. So what did they mean when he was an originator of gods? Well, we have an article on that. <laughs> Preparing you in it. His holy church. We have an article of this idea of Caesar being an originator of gods. All it meant was that he appointed the the imperial judges throughout the empire who are going to decide what is good and evil for the people. What is fact and law for the people. These judges would decide what was fact and law for the people. They were the supreme courts of Rome. And this is the way they, they ran their judicial system. And so he was the appointer of judges. Because the word, same word for God is the same word for judges. When Jesus said, ye also are gods, he's just using the word theos. Ye also are judges. Peter was a judge. Peter was a God. In that sense of the word judge. But how did Peter judge different than the, than the judges of the world? Peter didn't have a police force to arrest you and throw you in jail <laughs> if you did wrong. If you lied to him, you know, like Ananias lied to him. Ananias said he wanted to be a minister of the church and he was willing to give up all his property to be a minister of the church, just like Hoses did, just like Jesus required. Many of you will not know what I just said. But we, we explained it in great detail. But I'm not going into it now. So you'll just have, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you just have to seek and find out what I'm talking about. Join the network and ask the question there and we'll show you. But Ananias did not do what Hoses did, who was from Cyprus. That's what the text says. He lied. And because he lied... He fell under the judgment of Peter. But Peter, as a judge, knew that he was not to exercise authority one over the other. They were already told that. So he's not a judge like the judges of the world who will have you arrested and thrown into jail. Or have you forced to get a jab. 
<laughs> we see the judge in Oregon just dismissed their case or denied their case, judged against them. That, oh, no, the, the governor of the state can force you to get a vaccination, even though it's an untested vaccination. That's completely not true. That's not legal. Federal law does not allow anybody to force you to get this vaccination. It's in there. We've explained on our page also at Preparing You. You go look up the word refuse up there in the search engine at preparingyou.com. Preparingyou.com. And you'll see that the statutes say that they can't force you. They can't coerce you into getting the jab. They can't threaten to take your job away from you. As a matter of fact, by law, they have to inform you unless, of course... President Biden has signed a document that says they don't have to inform you that you have the right to refuse. The judge just ignored that. Or he's unaware of it. Maybe he's as ignorant as Biden is. I don't know. Maybe he's senile too. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Because that's the kingdoms of the world. I don't want to mock them. You know, I have nothing but compassion and sympathy for the people, uh, for not only for Biden, but for the people using Biden for these evil ends. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not judge. I leave judgment to God, and that's what Peter did. He did not have Ananias arrested. He did not have Ananias' wife arrested. He had people carry out their dead bodies after their life terminated ceased because Peter gave judgment to God do you know how to do that because <laughs> that's powerful that's that's more powerful than a Jedi <laughs> he didn't even need a lightsaber <laughs> he just he just said you've lied to God you're answerable to God yeah if 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 I judge you, you've been judged by the judgment of men. But I will let you be judged by God. And he dropped dead. In an instant. Wow. That's power. And it's interesting that Peter displayed that because Peter was one, you know, he was a man of action. But he knew what action he was to take and what action he was not to take. He knew what the perfect law of liberty really meant. I'm still trying to learn that. I would like to take action and force people to do what they should do. But I don't. Generally speaking, I don't. I try not to. I struggle with it. I strive. I persevere. I tell you, you should sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start caring about other people as much as you care about yourself. And you should sit down in accordance with the name of Christ, which is the character of Christ, which is the way of God, where you're not exercising authority one over the other. You should do that. And if you don't do that, the Holy Spirit will not come unto you. You will not see what you need to see. You, you still think you can figure this out. You still think eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil will give you the answer. It will not. So I have, now I've got through one sentence of the summary of chapter 1. <laughs> Nineveh, the second sentence starts, those contracts 
that you sign with the Keynes, Nimrods, FDRs, and Bidens of the world. Those contracts are established by a cognizable participation in covetous practices at the expense of your neighbor and your neighbor's children. Creating more and more debt. Being more and more slothful in the ways of righteousness, which is love, charity, and hope. It's built into the natural law. What we call divine will. Right reason. It puts into motion the recompense that is coming to you. Because you failed to do what Christ said to do. What he commanded us to do. What God has commanded us to do from the beginning. Dominion over the land, over the fishes, over the birds of the air, over the animals that creep upon the land. Was given to man. Mankind was given that dominion. But dominion of man over man, we were not given. But Cain thought it was a good idea. Nimrod thought it was a good idea. FDR thought it was a good idea. Cloward and Piven thinks it's a good idea. Obama thought it was a good idea. Clinton thought it was a good idea. I'm not sure what Biden is thinking. But evidently a lot of you think it's a good idea because you want benefits at the expense of your neighbor. So, anyway, if if you're being faced with this jab thing, you can go to our page on Refuse, and it has the codes right there. It has links to the codes that say that, and it has links to the codes that show that they don't have to inform you that you have the right to refuse. We even give uh, samples of what you might have in your letter to say that you have the right to refuse. But then again, they can make you unemployed. You know, I, I put up some pages again, and I'm working on them, so I haven't really made them all available. But if you look up Carlo Maria Vegano uh, at uh, Preparing You, you'll see some of the letters that he's come out. He's a bishop, archbishop, a former nuncio of the United States. <laughs> uh, I originally knew that nuncio, personally knew uh, the the Archbishop Nuncio of the United States and Canada and most of the Americas. (laughs) I knew him back when he was still the Nuncio, uh, which was way back in the 60s. And uh, he was the one that told me that the Roman Church was not the one true church. Wow. I was shocked to hear that. (laughs) Because I was studying to be a priest in that church. And uh, he changed the course of my life. I don't know if he really changed it, but he changed the course of my mind, which I guess is what repentance is all about. Uh, and uh, and set me on a straighter course. It took a long time, and it takes the Holy Spirit and a long time of uh, getting to where I am today, which is, you know, I'm almost three quarters of a century along <laughs> in this journey. And uh, But anyway, I put up more on uh, Carlo. And some of the letters he was writing, he wrote a letter to Trump. and he, But he wrote a recent letter, and I have it there on the page somewhere, down at the bottom of the page. And I would like to write him and talk to him. 
but uh, uh, and there's all kinds of stuff I haven't put on the page yet that I know about because of my first-hand contacts in that that church uh, way back when I was younger, you know, like the uh, Pact of the Catacombs or Catacomb Pact, and uh, I. I Nobody has a copy of the original Catacomb Pact, which was was signed by a lot of guys who were displeased with what was going on in the Catholic Church back in Vatican II. And I knew people who went to every single one of those Vatican II councils, and they were displeased with it. And they altered the course of their own lives after that. And uh, uh, the, uh, you know, because, I mean, you're, you're often born into a church or a religion, and uh, you follow that because that's what you know. That's what your parents taught you. That's what your teachers taught you. But ultimately, you need to be following the Holy Spirit. And through trials and tribulations and facing the traumas of this life, sometimes people turn around and begin to listen to the Holy Spirit more than all those teachers and parents and guides that were often blind guides that were leading you away from the ways of Christ. And you, how do you know who is who is, is the way in which they live their lives? By what they do. That's what James tells us. By their works you will know them. Now, you can be fooled by works as well. <laughs> so, you need the Holy Spirit. But right now, you can ask yourself, what, what am I doing? Am I still making excuses, still living by the rewards of unrighteousness? Am I still dependent upon that? Am I doing what Christ commanded? You you may need to look at all that. But anyway, uh, we'll talk more about Carlo as I get farther into his letters. I mean, there's so many layers and layers to it, but we'll go into that at another time. But back to Nahum and this summary of Nahum is that we have become slothful in the ways, we're disorganized, we're scattered flock, and so therefore we can't really do much about the fact that uh, tyranny is lining people up uh, and destroying society. We've seen the economy decimated by, you know, one in ten losing their jobs, losing their businesses all across the board. And now I know far more people that have died after getting the injection than died after having COVID. Uh, I, I know almost nobody, or know of almost nobody. I actually nobody. I don't know anybody personally that died of COVID. I had it. My son had it. My daughter-in-law had it. My wife had it. None of us died. And I'm probably as vulnerable as anybody. But I know lots of people who have died, personally know people who have died after getting the injection of the symptoms predicted by scientists. So are we looking at mass genocide? A slow, what seems to be slow. In, in, you know, in five years, we may not have thought it was so slow. Right now, it seems to be slow. I mean, you, you expect somebody, if you stab them with a knife in the back, they're going to fall over in the next few minutes or within an hour, they may bleed out. But this is much slower, much more insidious. But anyway, it's built into the system that this was going to come about. 
because of what we've been doing for the last 100 years. So what we want to do now is repent and turn around. This is what Nahum was bringing is that, you know, we sow the wind, we reap the whirlwind. You are the cause, but the effect, which is the whirlwind, will come as a flood. There is no escape. It will break the yoke, but also the system of welfare and simulated monetary system will fail. That's that's probably the next. Right now, there's a great push to get everybody to get vaccinated. And I, I believe that they're giving you time to get everybody vaccinated. When that finally runs out and it looks like that's it, nobody else is going to get vaccinated, then they will break the economy. And you will all be set free. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> when the economy goes and the government collapses, you will all be free. Actually, it'll be a little farther down the line, but it won't be long. You'll know it's coming. That your freedom is just around the corner. Most of you will not survive freedom. Now, if you sit down in the network because you want to survive, you sat down not in the name of Christ because Christ did not come to survive. Christ came to sacrifice. So if you want to join the network so that you will survive, you better rethink that. Because Ananias wanted to join the network because he wanted to survive. He wanted to join the early church so that he could survive. And he did not survive. Hoses wanted to join the network so that he could serve. And he came and he sacrificed so that he could serve. And he became Barnabas and served. Now this is the choice that is before all of you. Everyone in the world. And that choice may not be made in a single moment. But remember, that is the choice. If you will not repent, think differently. Think like hoses. You may go into the grave with those systems as they fail. This is what Nahum was saying in that first chapter. Darkness will pursue everyone who seeks to live without faith and love, which is sacrifice. Sacrifice. Faith is sacrifice of your willfulness. And love is sacrifice of your life. But there is hope that bringeth good tidings and peace if you repent. If you keep thy solemn feasts, he says which is a daily ministration of pure religion through charity and the perfect law of liberty, which requires your sacrifice. The daily ministration was not the ministers going out and earning the money and growing the food and distributing the food from their own sweat and toil. It was the people who shared and free will offerings with the ministers of God so that they could provide for the needy of society. You haven't done that in America for a hundred years. Churches who tell me, oh, well, we have our collection for the poor. Yet 90% or more of the charity, legal charity, 
You look up that at preparing you, what legal charity is. Is not provided by the churches that you say are the churches of Christ, but they are provided by the men who exercise authority one over the other. The fathers of the earth, the benefactors who say they are benefactors, but are actually just men who exercise authority. Who take away from your neighbor in those covetous practices that have made you merchandise and cursed your children with trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars worth of debt. Which is right in your news. Even CNN tells you that. But you don't want to follow the ways of Christ. You don't want to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. You don't want to take care of one another. So the plagues that Nahum talks about are coming upon you. And yours. And your children. Because you love your ideas more than you love Christ. And you need to repent. And I will get into Nahum too. When we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. After another brief break. Be right back. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So now in Nahum 2 it begins. First verse. He that dasheth in pieces. Is come up before thy face. Keep the munition. Watch the way. Make thy loins strong. Fortify thy power mightily. Are you doing that? Because the one who dashes in pieces has come up before thy face. Now, is that a reference to God? Now, if you look at different commentaries, they have different different ways of, of making that. Uh, if if you are interpreting that, if you go to the next verse, it begins for the Lord, L O R D, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is Yahweh. When you see it in King James, had turned away the excellency of Jacob as the excellency of Israel, for the emptiers have emptied them out. And marred, and marred their vine branches. So what is that? I mean, he says, for the Lord hath turned away. So that doesn't sound like he that dashes in pieces is the Lord. In a roundabout sort of way, you could say that the Lord dashes in pieces because the Lord has created this law of the universe that's built into the universe and all the realms of the universe, that things will be divided and dashed to pieces if you go a certain way. But the one who actually chose to go that way is you and the blind guides that you're listening to and the blind guides that they are listening to (laughs) that has sent you in a particular direction And now the result of that is coming up before thy face. You're beginning to see it. That's what you're seeing when you look out in the news and you see devastation of the economy, businesses, lives. If the reporters were actually covering all the people whose lives were devastated, all the suicides that were taking place because people's lives were devastated, they lost their jobs, they lost their businesses, they're losing their families under the strain, this economic strain. 
the devastation is immense. People are suffering all over the country. They may deserve that. But they they were already dashed in pieces before this took place, which is why they are, because they're already a scattered flock. What scattered that flock? What dashed them in pieces? You know, I, I point out in the commentary on the side, he that dashes in pieces divides the people, breaking their righteous bonds. And actually, just during the break, I added a link to the word bonds there. That make them strong and fortify society. So what bonds make society strong? What bonds fortify society? That, remember, we talked about in the first part of the show, that you're either in a society that binds the people through force, fear, and fealty. Fealty because you sign agreements, you make application for the benefits, the unrighteous mammon, you you apply to the unrighteous mammon to get the wages of unrighteousness, the rewards of unrighteousness, the benefits they offer you. These men who call themselves benefactors offer you benefits at the expense of your neighbor. And your neighbor will provide these benefits, free education, student loans, forgive student loans, uh, Social Security for your parents, uh, health care, Medicare, Medicaid. They're going to provide all this thing by taking a bite out of your neighbor, by forcing your neighbor to contribute. I added a quote to the Social Security page that we have up there preparing you. I put up there right at the beginning a quote from a famous black economist who should be one of the most famous men in America today, in my opinion. Thomas Sowell. Who the modern media just ignores. This guy is a super genius. Started out a communist and is really the one of the clearest voices of reason in America today. I think he's 91 years old. Written 27 books. Still writing books. Amazing individual. Amazing individual. Should be held up in the black community as if if there is such a thing. I don't even believe in the black community being a community. It's the community of mankind. But if you want to divide yourself off into the black community, <laughs> go ahead and do it. But they should be holding him up as a an example, as, as a man that you should follow his lead. Because he went through the process of realizing, I am wrong, this is right. And he was willing to repent, change the way he thought to a different way based on the fact that he was willing to see the truth. And now he writes about it. Nobody wants to quote him. At least nobody in the major media wants to quote him. He should be one of the biggest demands. But anyway, he writes, you don't get anything from Social Security. The money you paid in is all gone. The only way you will get one single dime out of Social Security is you have to force somebody else to contribute. That's the antithesis of Christ. Christ had a daily ministration based on charity. 
Your daily administration is based on force. If your daily administration is Social Security or welfare or any of these other benefit packages that come from those men who exercise authority one over the other, which Christ forbids you to be like, but the modern church says it's okay. Because the modern church is not the church established by Christ. The Pope says it's okay. I don't know where Carlo stands on the subject. I see him waking up. You know, his last letter is saying to priests who are refusing to get the jab are being disassociated from the Catholic Church. They're not receiving any support. The bishops are cutting them out, canceling them as priests. I mean, they're still technically priests, but uh, of that church. I want them to see them repent and become priests of the church established by Jesus Christ. But there's a lot more repenting than simply not getting the jab. <laughs> so, but that's a sign that maybe they're willing to think outside the box, but they're being canceled. And he, Carlo is saying to Catholic people, take them into your homes because they're being cut out by the bishops because they won't get the jab. Why won't they get the jab? Well, there's lots of different reasons. But I think sometimes people will not get the jab because something in them is nagging in their heart to not go that way. You know, I've looked at so many people who say that they don't want to get the jab and I'm saying like, why? Why this person is thinking that way? And you ask them even. I ask them. And they can't really give me a plausible explanation. They just, I just can't do it. Is that the Holy Spirit talking to them? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. What else are they willing to see? And that's why I would love to have the conversation with these priests who are refusing to get the jab and find out, will you also reject the other false information that you have received? The other false information you've received over the years. Will you look at the whole truth? Will you receive the whole truth of the gospel of the kingdom? Well, we'll have to see. But anyway, on, the, on in Nahum chapter 1, I had over 60, almost 70 footnotes trying to explain to people, you know, I put the information down. I didn't go over it in the recordings, but at least all of it, certainly. But in this page, I have almost 30 footnotes and Dozens and dozens of links. And like I said, I just added more. And by the time we get this all published with audios and everything, we'll probably even have more. But I have a link there to dash in pieces, which is a particular word. Mem pi yod. And it's given a particular number uh, in Strong's, which is 6327. In the Hebrew. But when Nahum writes it down, he adds an additional letter uh, to that word. And so, what what is it? It actually adds Mem and Yod. Because in, in the original, it's actually, uh, if I remember, Pi, Bob, uh, uh, Tzedek. 
And, you know, those, those, uh, letters, you know, Pi has to do with this communication, this oral Torah, this mouth, uh, communication, words that we speak. But the Vav is a connecting word or a division word, connecting realms and worlds or dividing them with the, like a veil. Because there's always this veil, although it's thinning between us and the other realms, such as heaven and hell. The, the veil is thinning again. It's part of the process. And the last word is Zedek, which has to do with righteousness. The faith of living by, you know, the, the righteousness of living by faith rather than force. And it has to do with hunt and desire. But in the word that Nahum uses, he adds a mem and a yod. And yod is that relationship of God and man, and mem is the flow of that relationship. And the vav is not there in the word that he uses. That your strongs will say is this other word that has this pi vav tzedek. Instead, we see mem pi yod tzedek with no vav. So, what is that? I just saw a typo in there. <laughs> I'll have to fix that another time. <laughs> but anyway, so, what he's saying is this division, this dasheth, is the result of this, this flow, and, or the lack thereof, of righteousness. Because you have decided to take care of one another to Covetous practices, instead of the righteousness of faith, hope, and charity, you've been dashed to pieces. It was built in. It was inevitable that you would be dashed to pieces. So he says, keep the munition. So what word is that? Munition. That's a funny word. It's stronghold, rampart, siege works, is the way they define it. It's actually translated fenced. Stronghold or forts. And once it's translated munition, which is this word that we see, uh, mem tzedek vav resh, hey, which is rather a long word. It's from another word, which is, uh, uh, also means stronghold or tower, which is, uh, Mim Aeon Resh Hey. So, but here we see this, uh, uh, this other word. Or no, anyway, so, I'm not gonna go into all the words in the letters because you, you're just not gonna follow it all. But again, it has this, this letter, uh, where we see these other additional letters added to it and it creates this other word. But this munition, this stronghold, what is the stronghold of God? What fences us off from the rest of the world? Remember the story during the Peloponnesian Wars when Athens was trying to get the people to borrow money from Athens and other city-states to build a wall around them to protect them. And they didn't want to borrow the money because that would be in a violation of the Sabbath. To borrow money from these other people where you owe them to take care of the need. If they really cared about you, why don't they just 
give you the money in hopes that you pay them back. No, they wanted it alone. <laughs> Where they would profit from the fact that they helped you build the wall. But the people answered, we are our walls. And Americans would be the walls of their society if they had created the bonds of a free society, which is taking care of the needy of society through faith, hope, and charity, which is what Abraham did. He showed the people how to build these altars, these charitable altars of men who did not exercise authority, but exercised charity. They were freely given the sacrifices of the people, and they freely distributed amongst the people to help the needy of their society. That's what the altars were all about. There's nothing about piling up stones and setting sheep on fire, which is where we began in the book, Thy Kingdoms Come, which you can go read free online, or Sacrifice of Sophistry, an article we have at Preparing You. Just look up Sophistry. These systems of altars of clay and stone were systems of charity by which you create the bonds of a free society to make your walls strong. And at the same time, they make your walls strong because you become the walls of your society because you watch and follow the way. Watch. That's that watchman teach you the way. Your ministers aren't teaching you the way in the false churches of America or the false churches of the world. They have led you back into the bondage of Egypt. They, you have not made your loins strong. You would have made your loins strong if you cast your bread upon the waters in hopes that it come back to you instead of engaging in entitlement programs to guarantee benefits at the expense of your neighbor, contrary to the command of Christ not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who do that, who provide benefits through exercising authority. Because you went that way, you've weakened your loins. You have not kept your munitions. You have not kept your fortress that made you a strong people. You have abandoned the ways of Christ And you have been dashed to pieces. So now, the best you can do is shake your fist on Facebook that says you don't like what's going on. You have no means to do anything about it, or little. So you take it to their courts and try to say, hey, we don't want to take the jab. And the court says, we don't care, you have to take the jab. Well, now you can go take it to another court. And another court. And another court. Is any of these judges putting a stay where they cannot fire you while you are getting this worked out in these courts? I don't think so. At least you won't find much of it. The reality is if you turn back to the ways of God, repent, start coming together as Christ intended, commanded, as Moses commanded if you're a Jew, Uh, If you're an Arab, you should come together based on what Abraham did. And actually, I guess the Muslims, uh, I said Arab, I should say Muslims. The Muslims are supposed to be following Moses and, and Abraham, who had these altars of charity. You can even find evidence of it in the Koran. But they're not following that any more than the Christians are following Christ. 
They're not coming together in faith, hope, and charity. They're coming together in a self-righteousness, thinking that their church is actually, that they believe in Jesus and they're doing what Jesus said. They're not. You wouldn't be back in the bondage of Egypt if you were doing what Jesus said. You wouldn't be engaged in covetous practices where you desire benefits at the expense of your neighbor through men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. You wouldn't be doing that because Christ said it's not to be that way with you. Your minister's saying it's okay to be that way with you. So, therefore, you are dashed to pieces. And the enemy has come up in your face. You have not kept your munitions. You have not followed the way of righteousness. Your loins are weak. And you are not fortified. Nor do you have the power of God in your corner. As a matter of fact, you've gotten to the point where he will not even hear your cries. Because you have not heard the cries of others. Some of you are starting to. Okay, let's let's do it Christ's way. Verse 2. The Lord hath turned away the excellency of Jacob. Tell all that to the Jews. Tell all that to the Muslims. Also tell it to Christ. Because he's turned away the excellency of Christ as well. Because you have turned away from Christ. So... The excellency of Jacob, the excellency of Israel, and the excellency of the early church. For the emptiers have emptied them out and marred their vine branches. The shield of thy mighty men is made red. The valiant men are in scarlet. The chariot shall be with flaming torches in the days of his preparation. And the fir tree shall be terribly shaken. These are the days of preparation. You should be sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, taking care of one another, providing for one another, casting your bread upon the waters for others outside of your congregations. If your minister is not gathering with other ministers, he is not following the ways of Christ, and you should pick a new minister. He is just following the way of his own self-righteousness, thinking that because he says, Lord, Lord, but does not do the will of the Father that he is somehow still a Christian. If he's not doing the will of the Father, he's not doing the will of Christ, if he's not doing what Christ said, and organizing themselves in an international network of faith, open charity, then he is not a minister of Christ. I don't care if he's a Catholic priest or a Protestant minister, he is not doing what Christ said. It's very clear. Especially if he is dependent, ultimately dependent upon the table of those men who exercise authority, one over the other, of the fathers of the earth. Our ordained ministers are not dependent upon that. I am not dependent upon that table. And though I may be slain in the process, that's the way I'm going. And pray that I keep the strength of the Lord in my corner. (laughs) Like Barnabas and Peter. Verse 4, the chariots shall rage in the streets. They shall jostle one against another in the broad ways. They shall seem like torches. They shall run like the lightnings. What's he talking about? You remember the the movie Ben-Hur? 
Charnel Heston. The chariot race. The chariots jostled one another. And, of course, that one guy, the bad guy, had the spikes coming out, you know, the blades coming out of his chariot hub that ate up the spokes of the other chariots' wheels and crashed their chariots. And uh, so, anyway, that's what Nahum is talking about. Evidently, he had seen a chariot, chariots charging or a chariot race or something. The chariots, when they charged into battle, they had to keep distance between themselves. They were the early tanks <laughs> of battle. When they charged in, they uh, they uh, raised havoc with the front lines. They broke the front lines, and uh, and so he. But he says they jostle one against another in the broad ways, and of course the broad way. Christ talks about the broad way. Broad is the way to destruction. Narrow is the way of God and righteousness. But the modern church says, no, it's okay being in the broad way. It's okay. It's okay to covet your neighbor's goods as the men who exercise authority. It's okay to force your neighbor to have contributions so that you can get the wages of unrighteousness. Just say you believe in Jesus. You don't have to do what he says. You just have to say you believe in Jesus and you will be saved. That is the gospel of Satan. That is not what Paul was saying. You can take Paul out of the context of Paul and you can say Paul said that. But Paul is telling you, if these guys are doing this and this and this and this, he has several places where he has these long lists, including covetous practices. You're not to have anything to do with them. So who can you have anything to do with? Well, where do you find a church that does not engage in the covetous practices of the Broadway of the world? Uh, do you all have to become Amish? Then you have to become a part of the narrow way of the Amish. Because <laughs> they have other rules. But they, I do commend them for the fact that they take care of their own. But that's still not quite the kingdom. Because they have to be concerned about others as much as they care about themselves. You know, the, the old red heifer. The sacrifice of the red heifer. Which has nothing to do with the color red or cow. Or an un, un uh, you know, I say cow, a heifer. It has nothing to do with it. Bovine. Young bovine, female, red heifer. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go read our article on the sacrifice of the red heifer at preparing you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so the chariots are raging and they're jostling amongst each other. But the, just, the way of destruction is already set forth because you've taken the broad way. You have to go back to the narrow way of Christ. Verse 5. He shall recount his worthies. They shall stumble in their walk. They shall make haste to the wall thereof. And the defense shall be prepared. The gates of the rivers shall be opened. And the palace shall be dissolved. And all of you will be free. You just won't be surviving freedom. Because if you haven't repented yet, you may go down with those palaces that are dissolved. But anyway, we'll have to take up verse 7 next.
Be right back. Welcome back. So we're in verse 7 where it talks about, And Huzab shall be led away captive. She shall be brought up, and her maids shall lead her as with the voice of doves, tabering upon their breasts. But then in verse 8 it goes on and says, But Nineveh is of old, like a pool of water, yet they shall flee away, stand, stand, shall they cry, but none shall look back. Look back to what? I mean, Jesus says, if you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. But I don't think that's the look back they're talking about. This Huzab. Who is Huzab? <laughs> I mean, the word that we see there, uh, Huzab, is from the root, non Zedek Biet. And uh, this uh, non Zedek Biet uh, is uh, normally translated stand or set. It actually is often translated officer. It's even a trans- translated appointed. One time it's translated Huzab. And it's here. And uh, Nahum. The particular arrangement of these letters that we see in uh, Nahum. Let's let's go back a little bit. If we go back to uh, the verse where it talked about. Uh, is it verse 2? Yeah, verse 2. And marred their vine branches. And uh, that's uh, this word. That the word marred there is also translated ruined. And uh, it, 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 it appears slightly different than what you would normally expect uh, in um, this particular verse of Nahum, uh, chapter 2, verse 2. We see the same pattern also in Hosea in chapter 9, uh, verse 9. And uh, the, the word there is supposed to be this... Uh, uh, Shin Hey uh, Chet Shin Chet uh, Tov, but in uh, Nahum it's actually Shin, Shin Shin Chet Tov with a Vav on the end, and like I say, it appears in Nahum chapter two and in Hosea chapter nine, and it means destroy or corrupt or ruin or decay. But this Bob has to do with because somehow it's cut off. It's separated. And then you have to look at the word in the context of the other words in the, in the verse. Because of this habit of Nahum of adding these other letters. Sometimes it has to do with the next word that, you know, because he can add them in the middle. He can add them at the beginning. He can add them at the end. And when you see the Hebrew, it's all written together. Because this guy's a poet. And he's putting these letters in to give you clues. So if we go back to verse 7, and Huzab shall be led away captive. So who is Huzab again? (laughs) This Huzab is those that should be standing in the place that Christ left them, which is the church, will be led away captive. The, The ones appointed. I appoint unto you a kingdom. 
they shall be led away captive. And they are led away captive. And like those Catholic priests and the, and the daughters, you have to remember, and the daughters, it talks about the daughters are, are led away captive. It says, her maids shall lead her as with the voice of doves. These maids. So you have the church and the daughters of the church, which is the Roman church and all the Protestant churches, are all led away captive. And they are led away captive. We've explained that over and over again. That, you know, somebody was wanting to connect with me in a nearby state. And they're going through one of our, our, our minister trustees. That, that uh, they want to know, how do you unincorporate? How do you become not a 501c3 church? Because they realize that that's part of that captivity. And, of course, the real captive, captivity is of the mind, of the spirit. That's why repenting of the mind... God will show you the way to become uncaptive in reality. Well, they will cast you out, just like Israel was cast out as they began to take care of one another during the plagues and famines that came upon Egypt. The plagues and famines are coming upon you now. We see the prelude to that. You know, and the waters will turn red. And all the the same plagues of Egypt are coming upon you now. And if you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, start taking care of one another without the help of the beasts of the world, those benefactors of the world, the fathers of the earth, then they will cast you out if you are successful in sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and actually doing what Christ commanded. They will cast you out. But Huzab and the daughters or maids of Huzab need to repent. Because they've been led away captive. And that's why I mentioned Carlo and the priests. and But I've also mentioned, made reference several times to the ministers of the false church today that are blind guides because they've been listening to blind guides. And they've been leading the people back into the bondage of Egypt, which is clearly where they are at now. Where they have been dashed to pieces like a scattered flock. And that they have their church meetings, and they speak as voice of doves, tabering, that's their music, and, and, and you know, with their ta- tambourines upon their chest, and, and, and saying that, oh, we love Jesus. But we've not only delivered you in bondage, we've delivered you into Egypt, and into the plagues of Egypt, and now you need to repent and find out how to get out of this mess. And he says in verse 8, But Nineveh is of old, like a pool of water. So, I mean, Nineveh, even the word Nineveh there. That's the capital of Assyria. And I have links there. to go, So go find out what it means to be the capital of Assyria. The capital of these systems. The capital of Babylon. And the bondage of Egypt. These are all metaphors connecting the same thing. Nineveh is the abode of Ninos. Who's Ninos? I need to put on a link there so you can find out who Ninos is. But it's all the same thing. FDR is, is the capital of Assyria. He's <laughs> Nineveh. This is the as old as this, the city of Cain. 
the city of Nimrod. You're back in Babylon again. And you were led there by the Huzabs of the world and the maids of the Huzabs of the world. That should have been in the appointed church of Christ, but we're doing contrary to the words of Christ. Like you are today. You need to repent. I'm sorry. I have to tell you, this is as old as it comes. This is the ancient flow of unrighteousness. You know, this old, mem, yod, mem, yod. That's the word you actually see there in the text. Uh, and, you know, it's from a word that is yod, vav, mem. Now there's no vav. It's just mem, yod, mem, yod. <laughs> of old. That's because this system, this, these covetous systems, uh, have come down to us. You know, there was the city of Cain and Lamech and Nimrod. And there's also the way of righteousness, which does not engage in these covetous practices. And uh, so you have not stood fast in the ways of Christ. And your preachers have said that's okay. It's not okay. And they cry, but nobody hears their cry now. Because they have heard the cries of no one. They have been slothful in the ways of righteousness. So verse 9 says, Take ye the spoil of silver, take the spoil of gold, for there is none end of the store. And glory out of all the pleasant furniture. You take the glory out of all the pleasant furniture. What, what does Revelation tells us? They shall have a full stock of gold and silver and all precious things and everything. Because they took it, the traveling merchants of the earth, the Ninevehs of the world. Following the same systems over and over again where they ensnare you with your covetous practices. And, and we have people trying to say, oh, well, all you have to do is fill out this paperwork and it all goes away. Nonsense. Absolute utter nonsense. You don't just fill out paperwork and make it go away. You need to repent and go another way of righteousness, which will require sacrifice just to go that way. I mean, you're not going to earn salvation. You've already lost the battle. It will take divine intervention to save you now. But you have to make the choice. To go the ways of righteousness or to continue to go the way of unrighteousness that has brought you to this precipice. Cursing the demon in the pit is not going to save you. It's repenting and seeking the ways of righteousness. And God will have to run out and meet you halfway because there's no way back for you. You will not get back on your own. It will take a miracle. Verse 10. She is empty and void and waste. And the heart melteth. And the knees smite together. And much pain is in all the loins. The loins you are supposed to strengthen. And the faces of them all gather blackness. And you, and the modern church sits in darkness again. Like the, the church in the wilderness was sitting in the darkness at the time of Christ. But there were ministers of the church in the wilderness, like Hoses, who repented 
we've explained what he was repenting of and the whole history of that back to Pompey and the generals that Pompey sent to Israel and why they sent them to Israel. We don't have time to go into that now, but we have all this stuff and audios and articles so that you can learn what you have been missing. But the most important thing, knowledge is not enough. Knowledge is of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an emotional spirit. It's not even your spirit. It's Christ's spirit in you. And that comes when you repent and seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You're not going to find it. It has to be shown to you. But you have to seek it. You have to strive and you have to persevere in that striving. You can't run off. You have to persevere in the sacrifice of that striving. That's what families are all about. That's what the kingdom is all about. Where is the dwelling of the lions and the feeding place of the young lions? Where the lion, even the old lion, walked and the lions whelped and none made them afraid. Where is that? Where do those who are steadfast and will not run off? Where is the Huzab of Christ? The appointed of Christ who will not run off, who will face the darkness and all that is in the darkness of their own hearts so that they may see the righteousness of God and walk in His way with the young lions. I, I'm finding it hard to find the young lions. I found a couple of old lions. <laughs> Where are the young lions? The lion did tear in pieces enough for his whelps and strangled for his lioness and filled his holes with prey and his dens with raven. You know, there are good lions and bad lions. <laughs> Verse 13. Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will burn her chariots in the smoke, and the sword shall devour thy young lions, and I will cut off thy prey from the earth, and the voice of thy messengers shall no more be heard. Thy messengers shall no more be heard. Right now, Facebook is trying to make the messengers of God be unheard. <laughs> and the only lions walking about are the lions who, uh, the beasts who go about and devour who they will. Where's the lions of the Lord? Where's the lions of righteousness? And again, the lions of righteousness, they're not going to use the tactics of the world. They're going to use the tactics we see Peter use with Ananias. So, anyway, in the side notes, I went, you know, I have links to other things and explain, you know, that word ruined, which we see in the King James is marred, and uh, which we see in verse 2. And in verse 4, we have this word uh, uh, streets. Rage in the streets. What rages in the streets? This uh, uh, Chet, Vav, uh, Zedek, 
uh, is the word that we, we see there. Uh, and it has to do with, um, it does translate into streets, but it also translates it without. Without what? Outside of what? You know, and abroad and out and outside and fields and forth. So what it is, is they're outside of the ways of righteousness. And so outside of the ways of righteousness, you're going to see these chariots rage. And the word rage there is is not just the hey, lamad, lamad, but is has additional letters. Bav, Lamad, Lamad, Vav, Hey, Tav, Yad. So, this, this rage is considerably different in Nahum. Cause he's added these extra letters. The Vav, Lamad, Lamad is, 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 well actually it's supposed to be Hey, Lamad, Lamad, but he has Vav, Lamad, Lamad. Vav, Hey, Tav, Yad. Tav is this word of faith. Yod is the relationship of God and man. And there's a Vav between Hey Vav Yod and Vav Lamad Lamad. <laughs> so this rage is coming about because you have abandoned the ways of Christ. You've gone outside in these other streets. There should be no rage going on in you. Yet we see people shaking their fists at the captivity they brought upon themselves because they abandoned the ways of Christ and listen to the false churches of the world. Not the church established by Christ. Not the way of Christ. So therefore, they sit in darkness. They can't even see what they're doing. They followed blind guides and they've both fallen into a ditch. They don't have the means, the fortress, the loins to defend themselves against these unjust laws. We can show you. You have the right to refuse. But people can't see it because they still sit in darkness. And they sit in darkness because they have not repented and decided that we need to sit down and start taking care of one another and sacrifice. Because that is the name of Christ. is sacrifice. It's not because you're sacrificing to earn your keep or earn your way into the kingdom. You sacrifice because it is the name of Christ to sacrifice. He was anointed to sacrifice, to be the sacrifice. It doesn't mean you don't have to sacrifice anymore. If you come in His name, it's not a question of have to. It's a question of you will want to. If you do not want to sacrifice, you're not coming in the name of Christ. If you do not want to sit down with others because you care about others besides yourself, you're not coming in the name of Christ. They shall... Outside they shall jostle one another. Inside we should not be jostling one another. We should be loving one another. But yet we know when we sit down in these voluntary groups, there will be people amongst us who do not really come to sacrifice. They come to take. But the fact is that they don't have a right to take. You have a right to give. According to the leading of your consciousness. But you have to give to somebody else. And hopefully your conscience will lead you to give righteously to a minister. And he will be tempted by those who just come to beg. But hopefully he will be guided by that Holy Spirit. And there's a connecting in the spiritual realm between you and your minister. And your minister and his minister. 
and all those ministers in one another, if they are willing to connect, but if they find it repulsive to connect, they must ask themselves, what are they hiding from? Because I tell you that when you start connecting in the ways of righteousness, a light will go on in the room. And you will see the ugliness of your own heart when you look into the mirror. That vampires never like to look into mirrors. <laughs> That's the tradition of the story. They don't want to see themselves. We don't even see their reflection in the mirror. They don't even like mirrors. Because they don't want to see themselves. But if you go the way of righteousness, a light goes on. And you start seeing the way of righteousness. In verse 5, we had this, They shall stumble in their walk. The Roman church is certainly has stumbled in its walk until we can't even say, is the Pope Catholic? Because I'm not sure he is. <laughs> He's going against all the other teachings of Christ and all the other, you know, Popes that were close to righteous. You know, I mean, if you, if you read enough of the Bible, you eventually you're going to say something that's true. But that's why I find it amazing some of the pastors... And and so many of the churches, they have their doctrinal statement. And you read their doctrinal statement, there isn't 10% of their doctrinal statement that is the words of Christ. The church is established to promote the doctrines of Christ. Everything in the church's doctrine should be the words of Christ. Nothing should be in there except for the words of Christ. If it is the doctrine of Christ that we're supposed to be promoting, why are we promoting our own doctrines? And in order for it to be the doctrines of Christ, it has to be the whole doctrines of Christ. But because it's not, they have stumbled in their walk. The word is Eleph Deleth Yad Resh in this Hebrew text, which is from Arut Eleph Deleth Resh. They add this Yad. You know, Nahum adds this Yad. And the original word is honorable. Because there were honorable men back in the early days of the of the Roman church. And actually there were a lot of honorable men that the Roman church claims were a part of their church that were never a part of their church. And would have had nothing to do with it as church as it is today. But they claim it. But I don't care what other people claim. I only care what Christ claims. What God claims. And that's what we're trying to impart to you is what God and his prophets are claiming. That if you go out of the way of righteousness, your eyes will be darkened and you will not see the destruction coming. And if you bind yourself to the the table of the rulers of the world to get the unrighteous benefits of the world, you will go down when their palace is dissolved and destroyed. You know, Nahum adds these yods and vavs, you know, elef, deleth, yod, resh, yod, vav, to to these different words, you know, and shall stumble in their walk. And, And you put them all together, and we have them there in the footnotes, but we don't have time to go through all of it. But just remember this letter of Tav, wherever it shows up, this letter of faith. Have you been living by faith? hope, and charity? Or have you been dependent on benefits that are provided by force, fear, and fealty? 
This is how you end up in the bondage of Egypt again, which we were never to return to. This is how you become merchandise, as Peter says, through the covetous practices of those systems. This is how the Huzab did not stand in righteousness, but led the people away into bondage. All these churches have been instrumental in leading you away into this bondage. And the church should not only be leading you away from the broad way that brings you into bondage and condemnation, but leading you in the narrow way of righteousness. But we can only lead you and point the way because it's a voluntary society. You must choose to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. We know there was to be no loaves and fishes until you sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And where you had a table of which the Lord will set that table. But you should not be biting one another at the table of kings and rulers. But anyway, we're out of time. So join us on the network. Become a part of the network. Become a part of the living network by sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Until then... May peace be upon your house, and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.